going to read the whole chapter, so that way you don't all have to stand for it. And it's not sacrilegious. We could do this. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 6 is right after you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, then Romans. Romans chapter 6. And if you don't have your Bibles, shame on you. You got to bring your Bibles. You have to get them out from underneath the TV guide and bring them out on Sundays and bring them out on Wednesdays because this is what's going to keep you. I think I have a Bible in every room in my house just in case the Lord speaks to me and I want to open up his word. Romans chapter 6. If you have an iPhone, you can put your Bible on here. There's no reason. If you don't have an iPhone, there's a whole lot of other phones that you can download and get the Bible. You never have to go without the word. Ever, ever, ever. And if you don't uh, know which one, go on the internet. Somebody will find it for you. Um, I can look. I, don't, I may not have your phone. I know I have two different Bibles on my iPhone. So you can find the iPhone. You never have to... If you don't, if the, the commercial said what, American Express, don't leave home without it? Your word, don't leave home without it. Everywhere you go, you got to take it with you, amen? Okay, the title of my message today is called Freedom, Whose Slave Are You? Romans chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 1. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, well then... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not Give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. 
Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Before you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin, now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, for some of you, you're saying, man, that was a whole lot of scripture to read. And it was, but there was, that this whole chapter has a lot to do with freedom in Christ. Freedom, and that's why I chose to go through this whole month talking about freedom, because you're going to be hearing messages on freedom and forgiveness financial freedom, freedom without fear, and freedom with boundaries. So that's why today's message is freedom. Whose slave are you? Now in the United States, Independence Day is a federal holiday commemorating the adoption of the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776. This Declaration of Independence caused us to realize and know that we are no longer under the reign of Great Britain. That's why the Declaration of Independence was established. Today, our country is 234 years old. Now, that's a long time for a nation to be free and to remain free. But when you look at our country in the context of world history, America is just a baby. We're just a child next to all the other nations of the world. Egypt, China, Japan, Rome, Greece, all make America's history so short. Think about how young we are and how brief we've really been here as a nation when I give you this illustration. Think about this. When Thomas Jefferson died, now he was one of the ones who signed the Declaration of Independence. When Thomas Jefferson died, Abraham Lincoln was a young man of 17. When Lincoln was assassinated, Woodrow Wilson was a boy of eight. By the time Woodrow Wilson died, Ronald Reagan was a boy of 12. There you have it. And Ronald Reagan died in 2004. Within the lives of four men, Thomas Jefferson, Woodrow Wilson, Abraham Lincoln, and Ronald Reagan, we can trace our whole history all the way back to the beginning of our nation. Four men, 234 years. We are so young. 
Turn around and say, you are so young. And you know what's really interesting is that we are one of the youngest nations in the world, and we stand actually one of the tallest because of the principles on which our nation was established. In the Declaration of Independence, these are the words that are written there. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These words begin the Declaration of Independence. And the celebration of our nation's birthday is really a celebration of freedom. That's what we're celebrating today. We celebrate the precious gift of freedom because of the price that other people have paid. We have to remember that freedom isn't free. Freedom is expensive. Freedom costs. It costs some people everything, including their lives. Freedom isn't free, and it is extremely valuable. Freedom is the ideal that our founding fathers believed that it was so important that they were able to risk everything on it. They risked their fortunes, they risked their families, they risked their reputations, and they risked their honor. I did some studying on the Declaration of Independence and each of the men that signed our declaration. Do you know that some of them lost their lives? Some of them lost their children because of this Declaration of Independence. Some of them had to willingly let go of all their fortunes and they died bankrupt because of this declaration. It costs something for our freedom today. Do not devalue it. Do not think that it is nothing. People laid down their lives for it. They risked their lives. And they risked the lives of their children. Today we worship in security and we even worship in comfort because there's thousands of young men who have given their lives on foreign soil. They've died in forsaken places so that we could experience the joy and responsibility of freedom today. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, if you've been listening to the news, several young Americans have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have the fruit of freedom. They have given their lives in this war in Iraq and Afghanistan so that we could be here today. There is a letter to William Smith dated November 13, 1787, and Thomas Jefferson wrote this to him. He said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Freedom is not free. The price is always paid in blood. And the blood that has been spilled by young men in the last few weeks and the, and, and the last even years has not been spilled for nothing. It's been spilled for freedom. And over 2,000 years ago, our Lord's blood was spilled on the ground so that today we could all experience freedom. Even though we're celebrating today with a picnic and we're later on, some of you will have those illegal fireworks and <laughs> where you don't have the freedom to blow them, but you're going to do it anyway. 
But let me remind you of this. With freedom comes great responsibility. Our world is chasing freedom. Even Christians are chasing freedom. There are Christians who are sitting here today who are not free. But you're chasing it. You're praying. You're reading when you can. You're evangelizing. You're giving. And even though you're doing all of those things, you still don't have freedom in your lives. Freedom still isn't there. It's not that what you're doing is wrong. You're praying, you're reading, you're evangelizing, and you're giving. The things that you're actually doing are right, but I think you're doing them for the wrong reason. Because the reason that matters the most is that we desire to know Christ. That is why we pray. That is why we read. That is why we give. That is why we evangelize, so that we may know Christ. That is what it's all about. You know, I remember one afternoon when my son was about three years old, and he's 31 now, but I remember clearly this day. He was about three, and he was very smart. And I, I know I had to go outside and go clean out the trunk of my car. And if any of you who have children, you know how trunks can get. And I remember I took Esteban with me to play while I was getting out all the clothes and all the junk out of the trunk. But before I opened the trunk, I got down and I knelt down beside him. And I, and I took him by the hand and I looked straight at him. And I said, Esteban, you can play here in the front yard. You can ride your big wheel up and down the driveway. You can go in the backyard and play with a dog or play with your bat and ball. You can go back inside and watch TV. Or you can stay here and watch me clean out the trunk. These are all the things that you have permission to do. But you cannot go out and play on the street. There's cars, and it's scary. You cannot go near the street. Do you understand what I'm saying? And all of three years old looked at me in the eyes and said, yes, mommy. So I let go of his hand. And guess what he did? <laughs> Ran straight to the curb. And while he's looking at me, looking back at me, he goes, <laughs> smiling all the time, testing me, just testing. What was I going to do? The only thing I can say is I am so glad that now his three-year-old is doing the same thing to him. Because <laughs> you reap what you sow. Now, why would he do that? Why would he test me? Why would he deliberately step foot on the street when I told him no? I told him everything he could do. He could do this. He could do that. He could have fun doing this. And the one thing I said do not do he did. 
all the explanation, all the understanding of the freedom that I gave him, all the freedom that I allowed him, why would he deliberately go to the one place I told him not to go? He did it because my son is like so many of us. We want to be free to do things our way. We want to be free to live by our rules. We want to be free to be the ones to make the final decisions for what's right or wrong for us. And the truth is we do the same thing to God. We tend to reject the authority and the freedom given to us by our Heavenly Father. See, God created us and he loves us and he wants to supply us with all kinds of blessings. He even tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But we look at our Heavenly Father and we see and we read and, and we listen to all the promises that he's giving us. But you know what we see? We see restrictions. We see all the things that we can't do. Yeah, God, I could do this and I could do that, but I want to do that. And God says, no, I, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. Restrictions that are meant for our own good. Restrictions that are to keep us from harm. But we look beyond the freedom and all the promises that God has for us and all we see are restrictions. And in those restrictions, we see them like prison walls that need to come down. So to get God's best, we need to realize we have to let God have authority over our lives. Most of us, we say we want it, but when it really comes down to it, we don't. We all have restrictions. Those of you who are married, you need to function every day within the restrictions of your marital bond. You need to stay within those boundaries. You cannot look to the right or look to the left. You can't be talking or texting. You can't be doing any of that because you have boundaries. Those of you who are single, you also have boundaries. You can't be doing the exact, you know, flirting here and flirting there and sexting here and sexting there and thinking nobody's going to know. You live in the wrong generation. Because the internet finds everything out. You cannot be playing games with the freedom that God has given you. If you're married, you operate within those boundaries. If you're single, you operate within those boundaries. You cannot be playing games with the freedom that God has given you and think that you're not going to have any repercussions. Think that it's okay. To get God's best, we need to realize that we have to give God authority over our lives. We cannot be free from any authority and just do whatever we want. Those of you who have done whatever you want, you've also received the consequences of doing whatever you want. I've been watching, uh, I've been home, so I've been watching a lot of um, gangland and lockup and all of those things. <laughs> You know, I don't know, it's entertaining for me. And, um, you know, just to listen to these young kids who have no idea what carrying a gun is, 
what revenge is all about, how much of their life they are throwing away. They have a freedom, and they are abusing it, and they're throwing their lives away because someone disrespected them. Somebody looked at them the wrong way. Somebody disrespected my friend of a friend of a friend, and they want to take it out. And we lose our freedom. Every man who is in jail, every man who is in prison, every man who is in lockup, every man who is in death row, do you know the one thing that they don't have? Freedom. Every single one of these guys, when they were asked, what do you miss the most? Every single one of them said, freedom. That's what they miss the most. And that's what we have and we don't take advantage of the freedom that Christ has given us because we still do what we want to do, when we want to do it, however we want to do it, with whom we want to do it. If there was ever a man with passion and a desire to do the work of God, it was Paul. Paul trained under the tutoring of Gamaliel, who was a famous, famous theologian. His background and lineage was purebred. He strictly defended the law, even if it meant killing people. And then one day he met Christ, and his life was dramatically changed. And he talks about his spiritual lifestyle before, when he wasn't serving God. And this is what he said in Philippians 3. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, and he had everything, those things I have counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rub rubbish so that I may gain Christ. That is the whole reason for our freedom, is to gain Christ. Paul realized that all his past work Everything that he used to take credit for was worthless. Everything that we're trying to do, we're trying to do the dog-eat-dog -dog world lifestyle. We're trying to get more. We're trying to be more. We're trying to have the titles and positions and the cars and the houses and the savings account. And we want to have all the clothes and we want to have all of this stuff. And Paul says, I've already had it all. And it's worthless. Because it doesn't meet the need in here. Do you know how many empty people are living in multi, multi, multi-millionaire houses? Empty people. Because they don't have that knowledge of Christ. We're free. But we're free to know him. We are not free to live excessive lifestyles. We're not at liberty to pursue our selfish desires. Our freedom and independence that God has given us should not give us the freedom to live like the world. In John 8, Jesus tells a crowd, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the crowd that he was talking to was a bunch of Jews, and they got irritated. And this is how they came back at Jesus. They said, we're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves of anyone. What they were telling Jesus was, we don't want your freedom. Nobody has authority over us. We're already free. We don't, we're not slaves to nobody. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like some guys that get picked up. 
They're on their way to jail, and they say, oh, no, I'm free, I can do whatever I want, I can say whatever I want. They had the same Jew's attitude. And Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You're a slave to somebody today. You are. Whether you're a slave to sin or whether you're a slave to Christ, you're a slave to somebody. You can't play the middle ground with Christ. You can't come to church on Sunday after you've been partying and clubbing on Saturday night and say, I'm making it all right. You're a slave to somebody. Some of you are going to go out with your families today. And they're, come on, just take a little drink. No big thing, come on. You're here with the family. Nobody's going to say nothing. We'll keep it on the down low. It's okay. Who are you a slave to today? Jesus said exactly what Paul said in Romans 6. He said, sin is no longer your master. For you don't live under the requirements of the law. Now you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, see, this is one of the upside-down teachings of Scripture. It doesn't really kind of make sense when you read it. But the Bible does say that everyone is a slave to something. You're either a slave to sin and free from God, or you're a slave to God and free from sin. There is no other option. You're either a slave to sin and God is not in the picture, or you're a slave to God and you're free from sin. Those are the only two options here. The opposite of being a slave to God is not freedom to live like you want. Because God's words tells us, if you free yourself from obeying God, then you're a slave to sin. You can deny it, you can fight it, you can reject it, you can do whatever you want, but it's still truth. If you are not a servant of God's, you're going to be a servant to sin. Now the question I have is why? Why would we reject God? Why would we reject the authority in his life, in our life? If we reject God in our life, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.12 that without hope and without God in the world, that's how we are. We are without hope and without God. So without God, we're enslaved because we have no God. Now some of you are saying, what is she talking about? I'm talking about a doctrine here that people will tell you, you know what, you're free. You can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can drink whatever you want. You can smoke whatever you want. You can talk however you want. You're free. And I'm saying, yeah, you are. But you're, you're free to live in Christ or you're free to live in sin. Those are the only two ways. You can't do both at the same time. It sounds a little harsh to say that without God, you have no hope. But that's what the Bible says. You have no hope without God. When you have no God in your life, you are totally responsible for what happens to you. When you have no God in your life, and that's okay. There are a lot of people who are, you know what? They don't have God in their life, and they seem to be doing okay. But what happens when life doesn't go the way that you want it to? When life brings those bumps and bruises, and it robs you of all your dreams? Paris Hilton seems to think that she's on top of the world. 
She just got arrested at the World Cup in front of everybody. Tiger Woods, you already know his story. And you know what was interesting to me as I read all about and I, and I listened to his interview? This is what really struck me. He said one of the reasons that he did what he did is because he felt he was entitled. He was entitled. Sometimes there are people who get to a point in their life, some, sometimes they're pastors, sometimes they're leaders, sometimes they have positions at work, and they begin to do things because they feel entitled. I can get away with this because I'm entitled. I've been serving God a long time. I can do this. This doesn't affect me. I can handle this. I've been married a long time. I can do this. I've been single a long time, well, a long time. I can do this. And you feel entitled to do the things that the Bible and God says do not do, but you feel entitled, just like Tiger Woods felt entitled. What do you do when life doesn't go okay for you? It'll be okay if you're smart enough or you're rich enough or you're strong enough or you're influential enough. But what if you're not strong enough or rich enough or, sm or smart enough and you get in trouble? There's nobody to watch your back. For those who reject God, the words, the Lord is my shepherd, have no meaning at all. Because there's no shepherd in their lives. In their lives and in those times of darkness, they become stressed out with worry and anxiety because they have nobody to turn to. Without God, we have no true value. We live, we suffer, we die, and we face nothing but oblivion. Will, I want you to come up right now. I want to give you this illustration here because I want to explain to you what it means to be a slave and be free at the same time. How can I be a slave and how can I be free? Um, yeah. This is what? A door. A door that, I don't know where we got it from. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you can all see that. It, can you all see this door over here? Needs a little help. Now, this door points out what Paul is saying about being free in God. See, this door is absolutely free. It's free because I don't think anybody would want it, but it's free because it's just a door. It's not attached to a frame anymore. It's free. It no longer has to open or close. No one will ever slam this door shut again by the way it is right now. No one will ever catch their fingers in this door. No clothes would ever be caught in it. You'll never rip anything again with this door. This door is absolutely, positively free. And the way it is right now, it is absolutely, positively worthless. I don't think anybody wants to buy this. We had an auction. I don't think anybody would want this in their house. Nobody could use this door 
the way it is. It wasn't designed to be just like this. It was designed to be used on a frame. It was designed to be put on hinges. It was designed to close a room off. It was designed to allow cold air to stay in and heat to stay in. It was designed to do something different than just be there. But it needs to be put on a frame, on a door frame, in order to be of use. Because it's free, it's absolutely worthless. And it doesn't have any value at all. It is old, it is ugly, and it's worthless. Thank you. And it's that feeling of worthlessness and emptiness that comes into our lives when we reject God. That feeling, that nagging feeling that our life will amount to nothing after we're dead is what that door represents. So those of you who still demand to be free from God, you're still a slave. You're enslaved because you have no God and you have no hope. You're enslaved because you have no purpose and no value. You're enslaved because without God, you're being held captive by sin. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So not only does sin control the lives of people who have no God, but sin condemns them. There is no way to get away except to embrace God and desire to know him. Doesn't matter who you are. Several years ago, Brian Welch was the leader of a popular heavy metal band called Korn. I've never heard of them, but I read about them. During Brian's career with Korn, the group sold over 25 million records worldwide. And Welsh, this, these are his words. He says, I was able to test drive this world. I got the fame and money. I tried all the drugs, all the women, and everything else that was available. But there was something missing. He said, I found that I was a slave. He thought that it was the drugs that enslaved him, but then he tried to get off of drugs, and it only gave him temporary relief. And eventually, he did find the cure for his emptiness and frustration. And in his book, this is the title of his book, Save Me From Myself, How I Found God, Quit Corn, Kick Drugs, and Live to Tell About It. That's the title of his book. And in that book, he says that having all the fame and money and women and drugs and attention meant absolutely nothing when Christ touched my life. None of that stuff compared. See, once he was a slave, now he was free, and now he wanted to change his life and make God his master. Some of you are here this morning. I don't know all of you personally, but I know that there may be some who don't know Jesus. You don't belong to Jesus. As of right now, you have no God and you have no hope. You have no forgiveness and you have no way of removing those sins from your life. If you don't belong to Jesus this morning, your life has no purpose, it has no value, and it has no meaning beyond the last day of your life. God doesn't want you to live like that anymore. 
That's why Jesus died on the cross, was to give you hope. Maybe you're a Christian here today, and you have found that there are habits that are beginning to enslave you. You've been testing the freedom that Christ has given you. There are areas in your life where you still want to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, however you want to do it. You want to go where you want to go and say what you want to say, even though you know you shouldn't. Today, you need to make a decision. Are you going to walk in freedom in Christ and be a slave to Christ? Or are you going to be bound up in sin and be a slave to sin? Bow your heads with me this morning. Freedom, whose slave are you? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you've never accepted him as your personal savior. Maybe you've come here because you were told to come, you were asked to come, you were dragged to come, but you have not made that decision for yourself. Today's the best day for you to be able to surrender your life to God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to pray with you. Would you raise your hand and put it down if you say, I want to accept Christ as my personal Savior. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're, you're, a, you're a Christian. You come. You're a regular. But there are some areas in your life that you've been struggling with, areas and habits that the conviction of the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you, and you've been pushing it off. You feel a little bit entitled. Feel a little bit, I got it all under control. And you see habits that are developing, that are not bringing him glory. And this morning, if you'd like prayer, why don't you go ahead and raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you also. God bless you all over. God bless you. God bless you. Those of you who raised your hand, just stand this morning. Just stand right where you're at. If you raised your hand and you want prayer, just stand where you're at. For those of you who raised your hand and you want to accept Christ as your personal Savior, we're going to all pray this prayer together, and then I'm going to pray for all of the rest. But if you're here to accept Christ, I want you to say this prayer, everybody together. Say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life today. Change my life. I need hope. I need your strength. I don't want to be a master or enslaved to sin any longer. I want you to be in control of my life. 
I want to be free. I believe that you died and you rose again from the dead in three days. I believe that you can change my life. So I give it to you today. I surrender. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every person who stood up today. And they're Christians, but they know that they've been struggling in some areas in their life. Areas that the Holy Spirit has been bringing conviction. You've been talking to them, and there's been a struggle. And the enemy has wanted to become their master again. But they've surrendered to you a long time ago. And today, Lord, I pray strength. I pray that every ear, every heart, every spirit would be open to your Holy Spirit. That you would be able to strengthen those weak areas in our life. That you would be able, oh God, to remind us that we have freedom today because of your death on the cross. Let us not take advantage of that freedom. Let us not try to exploit that freedom. Let us not feel entitled to that freedom. But let us begin to know you, to desire to know you in a greater way. That we would stay as far, far away from sin. That we would stay within the boundaries that you have set for us. That we may be able to glorify you in the way we talk in the way that we act, in the way that we think, in everything that we do. To know you, Lord. Give us that desire to know you in a greater way so that we may be able to be a reflection of you. And Lord, we just give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, we all say it.